Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 once again. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. What does it mean to be blessed? Jesus gives us a description of those who are truly blessed in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes that you find in in Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. And these Beatitudes are a counterintuitive vision for life. See, Jesus proclaims blessing on not the the self-reliant and self-confident and self-righteous, but on the poor in spirit. He pronounces blessing not on those whose goal is happiness by accumulating the things of this world and and seeking their own, but, but those who see things as they really are and mourn. He proclaims blessing not on the assertive and the aggressive looking out for number one, but on the meek. He proclaims blessing not on those who are driven by their appetites to indulge in what feels good, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He proclaims blessing not on those who get revenge or dominate those that they see as enemies, but on those who are merciful. And corresponding to each of these qualities, there is a blessing that Jesus gives. And these blessings have an immediate, right now fulfillment, and they have a a long-term, future, eternal fulfillment. So the poor in spirit receive the kingdom of heaven. And we receive the kingdom of heaven right now as we are able to live Uh, under the benevolent rule and reign of the risen and ruling King Jesus. That's our right now fulfillment, that we live under the rule and reign of Christ. And that is the best thing for any human being in this world, is to know and live under the reign and rule of Jesus. But there's also a, a future and eternal fulfillment that one day, Jesus is going to come and complete his work of making all things new and we will see his kingdom in fullness. We will see it consummated and we will rule and reign with him for eternity. Those who mourn, he says, will be comforted. And the right now good news is that Jesus has dealt with our sin once and for all. And that the way things are in the world that makes us mourn, the way things are in us that makes us mourn, that's not the end of the story. We get comfort from that. But one day, our comfort will be total as the Lord banishes sorrow and sickness and pain and death, and He wipes away every tear from our eyes forever. The meek inherit the earth. And right now we inherit the earth as we receive God's good blessings, not as something earned or deserved, but as a gift from our loving Father. And as we seek to extend His kingdom among our neighbors and the nations, as we connect people with the hope of the gospel. But one day, we will literally inherit the restored earth as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are satisfied right now by faith as we rest in Christ and we receive positional, imputed, justifying righteousness. And right now as we grow in practical, implanted, sanctifying righteousness as we keep in step with the Spirit. 
But one day, our victory will be complete and we will never sin again. The merciful receive mercy from God right now. And by grace, we extend it to others. But one day, the mercy that we have received and are receiving, the mercy that we will receive will bear its full fruit. And the misery that is brought by sin into our lives and into the world will be no more. Every blessing that Jesus pronounces has a right now fulfillment, a right now real hope, and a future eternal hope and fulfillment. And the blessing that Jesus pronounces, the blessing promised in this beatitude that we're going to look at this morning is stunning. So look with me at Matthew 5, verse 8. And if if you're able, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and ask you to join me uh, in reading verse 8. I'm sorry, I'm going to read verses 1 through, yeah, 1 through 7 and ask you to join me in reading verse 8. This is the word of God. Seeing the crowds, he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his work and ask for his help. O Lord our God, we come now to your word stunned by its beauty, wrestling with its truth. Those who will see you are those who are pure in heart. I thank you for these beatitudes, Lord Jesus. Thank you for these words that you spoke so long ago and that you have spoken them afresh to us this morning by your word and by your spirit. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would impress on our hearts Yes, the beauty and the truth and the goodness of these words. Lord, also that you would assist us, Holy Spirit, that we might believe what is written here, that we might love what is written here, that we might obey and submit to what is written here, that we might apply it to our lives and that we might be transformed by it and conformed to the image of our Savior. Lord, prepare us now to to learn, and to grow, and to glorify you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. The blessing promised in this beatitude is the pursuit of human existence. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, To see God is the ultimate goal of every endeavor. It is the ultimate purpose of all religion. 
And as Christians, we believe this. As Reformed Christians, we confess that man's chief end, the reason for which we were created, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To know God. To commune with our Creator. To see God. And to enjoy God. This is why we were created, and we affirm this. But even people who don't know Christ are on this same pursuit. They want to know the highest and best source of joy. They want to understand the purpose for which they exist. They want to live forever, and they want their longings to be satisfied. Whether everyone in the world knows it or not, we are all wanting to see God. Jesus tells us who gets to see God. Who gets to see God? The pure in heart. And the psalmist says the same thing in Psalm 24, part of which was our call to worship this morning. He says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? In other words, who shall see God? And the psalmist answers. We read it just a little bit earlier. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Really important question for us this morning and for every human being on earth whose ultimate pursuit in life is to see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote that being pure in heart means to will one thing. He wrote, to be pure in heart means to will one thing. All right, to, to flesh that out a little bit, to have the focus and aim and goal of our heart. And when we talk about the heart biblically, we're not only talking about emotions, we are talking about our mind, our conscience our affections, so our emotions, and our will. We're kind of talking about the totality of our personality and who we are. To have the focus and aim and goal of your heart be one thing, Kierkegaard says, is what it means to be pure in heart. I think he was on to something. And I think we see that exposition of what it means to be pure in heart in Psalm 24. He goes on to say, he says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false. Those who will see God are not those with a divided heart. They're not those who will lift up their minds, their souls, their wills, their consciences, and their affections to lesser things than God. And as I read that, that, that to be pure in heart is to will one thing, to have the focus, aim, and goal of my life and my heart, my conscience, and my affections, and my will, and my soul to be God. 
I'm convicted. Because while I believe that the ultimate goal of every endeavor is to see God, the focus of my heart is often on a lot lower things. On substitutes that I believe the lie that they will satisfy me. I somehow believe that I will be blessed if I can just see other things. If I can just see a certain number in my bank account. If I can just see a certain future for my children. If I can just see a clean bill of health. If I can just see achievements and recognition in my work. If I can just see acceptance and admiration from the in group. If I could see less conflict in my family. If I could just see more time to do what I want to do. If I could just see my team win another championship. The ultimate goal of every endeavor is to see God, but so often I just want to see all these infinitely smaller things. C.S. Lewis understood this. And he wrote the following. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot understand what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. A pure heart as Jesus describes it here. A pure heart does not mean a pure heart does not mean a sinless life. And yet the psalmist says that the one who would ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place must have clean hands. And he must not lift up his heart to what is false, and he must not swear deceitfully, but if that is the standard for purity of heart, then we have to conclude that no one will see God. Blessed is no one, because no one is pure of heart. But clearly, this is not about someone who has achieved righteousness on his or her own, but someone who has received righteousness as a blessing and free gift from God. Psalm 24, verse 5. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's a little bit of a paradox, but the pure in heart are those who know that they don't have pure hearts. The pure in heart are those who know that they don't have clean hands. A.W. Pink wrote, one of the most conclusive evidences that we do possess a pure heart is to be conscious of and burdened with the impurity that still indwells us. And what that doesn't do for the pure in heart, when we become aware of the impurity that dwells within us, what that doesn't do is lead us to throw up our hands and just give up and try to see what we can do and what we can see while we're here. 
And it doesn't lead the pure in heart to, to look to look around and see what we can see while we're here because we're just here for a little while. So eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And it doesn't lead us to look inward and just try harder and do more to be better. It doesn't lead us to look outward and it doesn't lead us to look inward. For the pure in heart, the knowledge that we are impure in heart, it leads us to look upward to the Lord, knowing that we will never see God. We will never ascend His holy hill or stand in His holy place unless He makes a way. Unless He blesses us with a righteousness that we do not have. We look upward and seek Him. And He becomes the focus and the aim and the goal of our hearts. And that's what Psalm 24 says in verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek Him seek the face of the God of Jacob. The pure in heart are those who seek God. The pure in heart are those who make God the one thing of their lives. Those who seek God will see God. Those who seek God will see God. God. And Jesus tells us that in this same sermon. In Matthew 7, just a couple of chapters after this beatitude, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever asks, receives. And whoever seeks, finds. And to whoever knocks, it will be opened. To whoever seeks, they will find. But the Scriptures also give us bad news on this count. Romans chapter 3, verses 10-11 describe our condition. And it says this, None is righteous, not even one. No one understands. Hear this. No one seeks God. I hope you're following me. What we are saying is the ultimate pursuit of life is to see God. And that is true for us who affirm it, and it's true for those who don't even know it, that that is what they're trying to do. And the pure in heart are, are not those who have got it all together, but those who are seeking to see God. And Jesus says, whoever seeks will Fine, but then the Scriptures tell us that there is no one who seeks God. Those who do not seek God will not see God. And God's Word says no one seeks God. And that is bad news. But there is good news. And the good news is that the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. You did not seek after God. You did not have clean hands and a pure heart. You and I have again and again lifted our hearts up to what is false. We have again and again sworn what is deceitful. But the Lord Jesus Christ 
the eternal Son of God, took to himself a true human nature like ours. Being fully God and fully human, he lived a fully human life, and he had a fully and completely pure heart. His one thing was only and always the glory of God. And Jesus lived out this one human life in this one pursuit of the glory of God so that we could see God. Jesus came to seek us so that we could see God. And he did this through his life. And he did it through his death on a cross in our place for our sake. And he did it through his glorious resurrection and his ascension to the Father's right hand where he now intercedes for you. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. John chapter 1 tells us that no one has ever seen God. But the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Brothers and sisters, the only way to know the purpose for which you were created, the only way to find the pursuit that is the ultimate goal of human existence, the only way to see God is to come through Jesus. He has a perfectly pure heart. He has a righteousness that you cannot achieve. And He offers them freely and fully to you so that you might see God. So that you might ascend the hill of the Lord. So that you might stand in His holy place. Yes, right now. I want you to think about the right now fulfillment of this. That At this moment in time, you have ascended the hill of the Lord. That you are in the very presence of the one who created you and all things. You are in the very presence of the one that the Bible describes as a consuming fire of perfection and holiness. And He invites you in. Because through Christ, you have clean hands, and a pure heart. And you are welcomed to look upon him and find everything you have ever sought after. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so now we we ascend the hill of the Lord and we stand in his holy place as we come to his table, recognizing And joyfully proclaiming that the only thing that qualifies us to see God now, to commune with God now, to know God now, and to be with God for eternity is the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for us on the cross. That there, my Redeemer paid the debt and made me free. Free to pursue Him as the one thing of my life. This table is not for people who have it all together. 
This table is not for people who think that they're good enough. This table is for people who know that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there would be no hope for them to ever see God. It's for people who come owning and confessing the many ways they transgress God's law and malign God's name in their lives. It's for people who are looking away from themselves and their failures and their successes and looking only to Christ for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who look away from themselves into Christ because they will taste of their redemption. If you belong to Christ, his invitation to you is to come and to feast on the gospel. Remember what he has done. Proclaim it by your eating and drinking. And go out into the world nourished and strengthened to declare the good news to others. So if you're his, come. If today you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if today you, are, you know that you are in open and unrepentant sin against the Lord, and we would ask you not to partake of these elements, to simply let them pass you by. And we do so because the Scriptures warn us clearly that those who eat and drink this supper, because it is a sacrament, because it is something that that Jesus instituted for our blessing, because this is a covenant meal, those who eat it apart from faith, or those who eat it in rebellion against God, eat and drink condemnation. They eat and drink judgment on themselves. And that's not our desire for you. Our desire today is that you would consider what this table means and that you would embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. But for all who belong to him, come to this table. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time together here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness in giving to us yourself. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for your purity of heart. Thank you for your righteousness given to us by grace, through faith. Thank you that you love sinners and that you meet us. You meet us through your word. You meet us through your sacrament. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take these common elements that we will now eat and drink, just bread and juice that will remain bread and juice as we partake of them. That you would commit them to a holy purpose. And Lord, that as we eat and drink bread and juice, that spiritually we would feed on the body and blood of our Lord Jesus. That we would be nourished in our faith. That we would be made ever more aware of our sin. And therefore, that we would love you all the more. And we would live for you all the more. Help us in these moments, to taste the bitterness of our sin, to taste the sweetness of our Savior, and to, Lord, get a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb and the celebration that is to come when the pure in heart will see God. We love you, and we thank you that you have prepared a table before us. Bless it to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.